The Jeep Talk Show is sponsored in part by ExtremeTerrain.com, your Jeep Wrangler aftermarket authority for all your YJ, TJ, JK, and 2018 JL Wrangler parts. Extreme Terrain is a leader in proving accurate information and top-notch customer service for the hottest aftermarket Wrangler parts around. Visit ExtremeTerrain.com today and toughen up your rig for the trail with the best in the business. Stay tuned to this episode of the Jeep Talk Show to learn more about your chance to win a mildly modified JL or a wildly modified JK Wrangler from ExtremeTerrain.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by Route 16 Off-Road. Veteran-owned and operated and community-focused brand, Route 16 Off-Road works hard to get you the best deals possible on the parts and accessories you want. Let Route 16 help you find that next replacement part or upgrade. Check them out, Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Hey, Tony, spring has sprung. Is your Jeep ready for the heavy Texas rain yet? Well, Josh, my doors and windows are closed, but you know, I hear Tammy is uh, has her top off. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, haha. Sadly, I don't. It's freezing here, and guess there's snow in the forecast for Saturday. Oh uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, horrible. Hey, but what about Josh? Doesn't it rain all the time in the Northwest? <laughs> ah, who cares? There's a show heating up on the History Channel, folks, and we've got one of the hosts here tonight with us from Truck Night in America on the History Channel. Rob Bender Park is sitting down Woo-hoo. with the Jeep Talk Show. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And this Week in Jeep is sponsored by Amazon.com. Looking for a way to support the show? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon and a small fraction from anything you purchase using that link will go to the Jeep Talk Show. If you like what you hear, have gotten any benefit from what we do here, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. And thanks in advance. Well, it's time for a quarterly numbers report. I know, it's been a little while since we've reported on the numbers produced by our beloved Jeep brand and its current parent company, FCA US. Every now and again, we like to share the quarterly numbers for those who keep track or who are interested in this sort of stuff. And if you've been keeping track, well, you've noticed that sales growth has been a little, well, lackluster or outright missing in some areas, in some cases, over the last several quarters. Well, the first quarter of 2018 has boded quite well for FCA and Jeep, especially as the 18-month losing streak has finally come to an end. March closed with a 14% sales increase over to, to over 216,000 vehicles on the strength of a 45% increase in Jeep sales, which topped 100,000 units in the month for the first time in the brand's history. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and mention that the Jeep, Jeep Talk Show, uh, our reach and influence was probably an unofficial and at this time unconfirmed instrumental part in this unprecedented growth. <laughs> Jumping back to reality, of course, the company's struggling fleet mix rose to 25% for the month from 23% a year ago. What gives this report so much buzz, however, is the numbers from Fiat, whose sales have slipped a gigantic 47%. Unless Fiat can pull some magic out of its tiny little trunk, well, this could be more ammunition for Jeep and Ram to move off on their own. 
To that end, however, Ram sales slid down a noticeable 11%, but not a big sign of concern as the first quarter truck sales numbers are historically not impressive anyways. It seems that the new front grille and other redesigned cues found on the next generation Cherokees have made buyers flock to find their next grocery getter, as Jeep Cherokee sales are up a whopping 63%. Not going for the full-size version of those, people were buying more, more Cherokees than Grand Cherokees as sales for the Grands are down 3.7%. And speaking of the people loving new designs, well, Jeep Wrangler sales have broken records as numbers for the new Off-Road King are up 70%. In fact, oh Wrangler God. sales achieved a record for the nameplate itself boasting almost 28,000 unit sales last month alone, shattering the previous record of just over 22,000 set in March of 2015. Now, if you're worried these impressive sales numbers mean that stock on your new favorite Jeep are going to be a little, well, slim pickings, well, fear not. Current inventory is hovering right around 611,000 vehicles, a solid 79-day supply if they were to stop manufacturing, well, at right now. But it is down from an 85-day supply in February. Further evidence that second quarter sales numbers well, should be pretty solid, too. Might be time to add some Jeep stock into that portfolio after all. You know, I'll say it again. It shows me that uh, Jeep or FCA or, or whoever uh, still knows how to build a Jeep. Uh, I, I'm still very impressed with the new JL and uh, especially the red ones. Not to, not to be too surprised, but, <laughs> but the well, dash layout, seems- you know, the whole just the layout of the, the entire vehicle. Uh, see, especially the folding down front windshield, making it easier to do that. I mean, just, I mean, really did it right. I, I really believe that, that the solid year of teasing and leaks <laughs> and photos and, and everything else that were coming out that, well, frankly, we were reporting on quite a bit, actually, uh, really helped bolster some of these sales coming into the first quarter of 2018. Now, that also, on the flip side, kind of might explain that year-long plus slump in sales because people were highly anticipating the release of this new Wrangler that, well, some will say was long overdue. Yeah, good point. Uh, I didn't even think about that. And also, too, uh, they were probably uh, scared shitless that it was going to look like a new Cherokee. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think once the uh, once the uh, the reports came out and some of the pictures started coming out that no, it's not going to be aluminum. No, it's not going to be a uh, you know a completely independent suspension yeah. front and rear. Uh, this will be a true Jeep. I think a lot of people's uh, fears and stuff were a little little quelled uh, there once, at least, especially once the pictures started coming so, out. So, so Tammy, time has passed now, so you can actually report what really happened. Your deal with Jeep about uh, the whole fake story the whole fake news about you going in there and causing a ruckus because mm-hmm. you were seeing yeah. the jl firsthand that was all that was all part of the ruse wasn't it no it was not <laughs> wait that wasn't and a I, masterminded marketing yeah. plan that was well shoot it could no. have been <laughs> <laughs> no um and actually it's just it, it's just kind of weird how um i posted pictures and no big deal nothing ever happened I, I mean i posted pictures of the jl outside of the um the facility and yeah, the nothing floor. was ever said yeah and then all of a sudden the oh, big that crazy leak. lady with I the know. purple black jeep is back on the premises again somebody where's her camera some executive and i'm gonna, i'm just gonna say i have no knowledge of this i have no idea that this is accurate but i'm just gonna say some executive probably mike manley was scanning through his podcast app and went, oh, Jeep Talk Show. Is that something that we're doing? I gotta listen to this. And he heard you, heard about you, and he he rang the bell, called everybody in, did the Mark Zuckerberg, and said, fix this. Fix it now. 
Well, speaking of celebrities and uh, and Jeeps, uh, I'm kind of using that a little generally there. Well, you guys might know this name. WWE's John Cena signed his Ooh. wrestling contract clear back in 2001, and his success quickly blossomed. Back when Cena's career was just beginning, well, he spent his first big paycheck from the WWE on a personal passion of his. I bet you guys didn't know he's a gearhead. Yep, he loves cars and vehicles and trucks and, well, just anything that's vehicle-related for the most part. Now, though that very first vehicle purchase wasn't exactly what most of us would call a collector's item, in a recent YouTube episode of the series John Cena Auto Geek, that's right, the former pro wrestling star says, quote, I signed a contract for myself way, way back when for peanuts, but I felt like I needed to showcase my accomplishment, and I did with this baby right here, giving the faded <coughs> red 1989 <laughs> 5-speed Jeep Wrangler oh. YJ a little love tap on the top of the door. Now, what's funny is that he admittingly didn't know how to drive a stick when he first got this Jeep, but he had to have it. Needless to say, he learned real fast. Quote, it was the first car I ever paid cash for without some money from the parents, he said. I bought it with 80,000 miles on it. Now, he's kept secret the actual amount he paid for it back then, but today it is his most driven vehicle. So much so, that he calls it, quote, his baby. Now, as big and buff as John Cena is, he's no match for the bite of the Jeep bug. He's been bit just like the rest of us and has done the usual like a lift, tires, and some armor. Now, dollar for dollar, he says, this one has given me far and away the most joy. And this is one that I'll never get rid of. Be sure to check out his new Universal movie, Blockers, which debuts nationwide on Friday, April 6th. Oh, and if you want to check out that YouTube video I was talking about, it's actually pretty dang good, guys. There's a part in there where, in true Jeep fashion, he demonstrates the speed of his YJ, uh, favorite his favorite <laughs> ride, that YJ, by the way, by a 0-60 to 60 run in... 23 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a link to it in the show notes for this, this episode. Be sure to check it out. So, hey guys, um, in the meantime, real quick, if you have a news tip or a response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. All right. I know somebody out there knows John and knows his Jeep, and we, we want to interview. Can you imagine how much fun that would be? We could... Uh, I wish he was here because I could give him a hard time about uh, wrestling being uh, fake, and he could slap me down. You know, like uh, <laughs> like Stossel got slapped down years ago. No, you could you could tell in this video though. Um, this Jeep really does have a fair amount of sentimental value to him, and just getting behind the wheel it brings him true joy. I mean, you can just tell in in the way that he speaks, in his body language, his his the the, the facial expressions. I mean, everything. He genuinely loves that Jeep. You know, I always well, tell people, I'm, I always tell people, people on do. Facebook, you have to, you're, you're going to be very, very sorry if you get rid of that Jeep. Do not sell that Jeep. You will yep. be sorry. I, well, he I may will not admit be, I'm a WWE <laughs> fan. Are you really? You're into that whole wrestling thing. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, haven't really been since the old days. Uh, when I, I guess you could say I outgrew it a little bit. I don't know. I guess I'm... But, Still a kid, huh? And, uh, you know, Only, it is is a huge huge sport in a, in a lot of uh, in a lot of areas. Well, uh, it's a it's a showmanship thing, so it, it doesn't matter if it's uh, set up or not. There's a lot of it's uh, not set up. It's real, Tony. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot of entertainment value uh, in it, and uh, so uh, I I still like uh, was it Roddy Roddy Ah 
Rowdy Roddy Rowdy, Piper. Rowdy Piper, yeah. And Northwest uh, native, actually. I think he lived out here in this area, in fact. Uh, always enjoyed that uh, that movie that he, he was in. I can't remember if it was called They or They Live or something like that. Uh, oh, that's Obey right. and type thing. Great, great movie. I always enjoy that one. Well, this guy may not be doing anything off the top rope anytime soon, but he's putting many of these other fabricators into a chokehold. From the History Channel's hit TV show, Truck Night in America, we'll be talking with Rob Bender Park in just a little bit. But before that interview, we have an interview with one of the contestants. It is Marbella Maria, and she was on last week's episode. I'm sorry, I don't have the number. I think it was episode four. Well, we'll find out in this interview that we did with her. You have a very unique situation uh, in as much as you've been on this big-time TV show. If you guys aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Truck Night in America. What episode was it that you were on, Marbella? Uh, I was on episode four, um, and we got six more episodes to go. So six uh, more uh, episodes that have five contestants in each. So we still got still lots of more, lots of fun to go, keep going with. Now they're actually giving away quite a bit of money on this show because uh, each week uh, they have a, a torture test for uh, five vehicles, and the vehicles get weeded out one by one. I've noticed that some of the things that the the you know the different shows have different torture tests that, that you go through. Did you have have any idea what the uh, events were going to be that you were going to have to do in, in your Jeep? We had no idea what challenges we'd be doing. We wouldn't know until we literally were in front of the challenge, and then they would explain to us what we had to do. Like they were very good about hiding oh. what other contestants' challenges were. They just uh, were very secretive. So this was kind of an unknown, I would guess, too, because if I understand how this process works, you know, somebody has an idea, they get some funding to uh, to do this uh, by pitching the show, and then even uh, after they say, "Yeah, let's uh, let's shoot some episodes," they're not for sure it's going to be on. So it's possible that you could have gone through this, and it we we would have never seen it. Exactly. Yeah, that was, it was. We were on pins and needles. We had to wait to see if History Channel approved to move forward. So yes, we were very uh, just like didn't know what to expect. <laughs> Will I make it or not? Yeah. So uh, now I want to I want to throw this out here. This is a spoiler alert. So uh, Marbella, what happened? I, I I was watching this, and man, you just had a very strong start uh, going down. Now, what was that uh, that event? That challenge? What was the first challenge? What did they call that? The first challenge is called the Wipeout, um, where we were actually driving through Kalen um, type of material, which is like very baby powder soft material uh, there in the Augusta area. And um, when it's wet, it's slippery like ice. Mm-hmm. So you had to worry about traction. You had to stay in your lane because if you crossed over to the other person's lane, you were out. Oh, okay. I think that was a Toyota that got a lot of airtime. Uh, he almost did that himself. He almost uh, came out of his lane. He sure did. He was very close going into that first lane. He locked out. And then he locked out not flipping over because, as you saw, yeah. he landed on his uh, complete right side front and rear tires there. Yeah, exactly. Now, you had a really strong, uh, I don't know so much about the start, but right there at the, at the finish, you were doing really well. In fact, I thought you were going to come in first. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with the show, all she had to do was not be last. So now you got to the, you got past that one, did very well in that, that first challenge. And then on the second challenge where you had to, to, to haul cars behind you. I actually am an automatic, but I shifted it 
into so that I w- would be able to shift into different gears climbing that hill. Because mm-hmm. it was a steep hill. The TV doesn't really do its justice on how steep it was. Now, you, were, you weren't able to get up that hill with those uh, hauling those two cars behind you. Do, you. do you know what happened? I was frankly surprised. Um, I, as soon as I pulled up to that challenge, I knew that I, Jeeps aren't built to pull uphill. So I was like, and then when they said you had two cars, I was like, whoa, wait, time out. No, I'm really going to struggle because I knew I didn't have the horsepower like the other guys did. Right. And um, and then I figured I would have the traction at least, but the horsepower I knew I just didn't have. I just didn't have it. And it would have helped if I would have had my uh, Atlas transfer case, which would have given me that extra lower gear to uh, go in for low climbing up and get me over that last section that I needed. So that was that was very disappointing to me. I, you know, I always love seeing the Jeep uh, go all the way to the end. And in, in fact, up until recently, it was Jeeps were the only ones that were winning. Uh, and, you know, and I'll just I'll just tell you, frankly, I'm glad you didn't get all the way to the end because I'd hate to see that beautiful Jeep uh, get uh, damaged because quite a bit of damage can happen to those vehicles. Uh, going through this torture test that, that they have them go through. Now, now you have, uh, tell us about your Jeep. What year model, and uh, is it a, a four-door or two-door? Uh, I have a 2013 JKU, so it's a four-door, uh, heavily modified. So I actually was uh, pretty felt pretty good about how strong my Jeep would have done. Um, but I guess you just don't think about it when you're off-road crawling. You're going at a very slow pace, crawling up stuff, and I have no fear crawling up rocks and all that. But now when you're pushing that skinny pedal all the way down to the floor, full speed and climbing obstacle courses, boy, that surely changes everything. And you had no way of knowing what it, what you were uh, going against that actually the other vehicle in that last challenge didn't make it all the way either. Uh, they just made it a little further than you did. Yeah, the green Toyota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he barely, he didn't make it the first time climbing up and he didn't make it the second time, but he did just enough. To beat me and uh i just didn't have that last little bit my uh jeep was letting me know the uh all the signals all the alarms were going off and telling me it was uh my engine was starting to tell me we're done <laughs> pete pete soren was actually my coach for the second challenge um rob bender went with i think he picked travis Leather if i remember correctly and um great guy he is a great coach actually all four coaches are really awesome they were very good about giving us some advice rob bender he park he he's awesome one of the things i was gonna that i had noticed when you're talking about the show it almost seems like you're part of their family now i agree yeah we definitely you would think going into it it was kind of like you know they're just going to forget about me after this is done and over with but no we actually have stuck together we're all 50 drivers uh stick together we've been talking to each other getting to know each other even better um the hosts talk to us privately it just like you said we're one big happy family um in fact one of the drivers um from episode two he's actually in icu right now and we sent out video we put a video together from all of us drivers and we've been praying for him so uh, a couple of us were actually thinking about driving down to say hey to him and um we pulled together for him i mean it was all of the we're just one big happy family support system it's been great marbella if, if anybody wants to follow you on the social media how could they find you uh they can reach me on bella jeep girl on instagram twitter and facebook uh that's i try to keep it simple for everybody so you can't forget it. So again, Bella Jeep Girl. Um, I also have a website, bellajeepgirl.com. 
really put me over the moon on how people have just been so positive and just cheered me on. And uh, some of them were a little upset that I didn't move forward, but they all said that they could tell that I gave my full effort. And there's only so much you can do if your vehicle can't do more for you. It's a lot easier staying ha- staying home and not uh, putting yourself out there for uh, success or failure. So hats off to you for going out there and trying. Thank you so much. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And the Jeep Talk Show is just one of the many proud members of the 4x4 Radio Network. Just visit 4x4radionetwork.com and learn more about the 4x4 podcast, Center Steer podcast, Trail Chasers podcast, and our newest member, the On the Trail podcast. Hey, this is Dustin. Tammy told me to call in and talk about my WJ. It's a 2002 4.7 high output. You know, the motor likes to eat itself. Currently, it's got a tick in the top end i got to take care of, but when it's running right, this thing's a little beast. It's a little budget build, two-inch lift, packed up the fenders and hacked up the quarter panels, got 32-inch Cooper ST Max on it. Future plans going to be one tons and 37s, a 231 heavy-duty. Going to be a nice little build. Everything's going to be out of a junkyard, a lot of... Welding in the shop to make it work, but give me about two years and be good to go. I love that. Everything's going to be out of the junkyard. I I love that type of idea. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Those junkyard builds can actually be a lot of fun and uh, quite capable, too. And somebody's finally listening to me. Eh, Accidents happen. Yeah. Hush, hush. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G Mama. Just real quick about that reference about someone listening to me. Um, <laughs> Dustin, can't let it go. <laughs> no, I can't. I never can. Sorry, Tammy. Nobody's listening. I know. My my husband's like, let it go. Anyway, he um he posted on Facebook that we need to have more WJ talk, and I said, hey, send us an or. Give us a call. Give us a voicemail. Absolutely, he did it. So yeah, that's anyway. great. Uh, yeah, even though that nobody ever listens to you, keep suggesting yeah. it because we got a yeah. call in that time. One out of a hundred. We love so. hearing from you guys. You need to call us and let us know what's going on. That's that's interesting. I love the whole junkyard idea, Bill. That's yeah. that's great. I'd love to help them out. That's but all we anyway, have time for tonight in Wrangler Talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Good night, everyone. So searching for Easter eggs, and I know ah. Easter is was just last week, but Tony and Josh, did you know back in about 2010 that Chrysler's designers started making these small tributes in the Jeep Wranglers? And these tributes were to the Willys Jeep. That's the Jeep that started this whole Jeep craze that we all love so much. Now, these designers decided to call these small tributes Easter eggs. And ever since I first heard about these small tributes in my Jeep Wrangler, I have been on an Easter egg hunt. So far, I have found eight. And though I'm going to read them off to you here real quick. The first one is the most obvious because we're constantly looking at it when we check out a rear view mirror. It's a silhouette of the seven slot grill logo. And then... On the passenger seat grab bar right above the glove compartment, the letters Jeep since 1941 are embossed in that grab bar. The other one is the silhouette of a Jeep climbing a rocky hillside on the passenger side windshield. 
And then you also, if you still have stock rims, you can see on the Saharas and the Rubicons has a little silhouette of the Willys Jeep. And most people probably don't notice this, but in the cup holder in the front seat, there's another embossed seven-slot grille. The other one is on the outside of the Jeep. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I'm going to say it was. But the wiper cowl has the seven slots just like the front grill. And then if you look under your Jeep, if you still have the stock um, Jeep, there's the air dam, that plastic air dam right coming off the front bumper. That has the um, seven slot front grill too. Then there's the center console control panel where your little, um, I guess it used to be where the cigarette lighter would be. It's where you plug in your your phone and then um, there's some other buttons for, gosh, I can't, your hazards and traction control. It looks like the seven slot grill kind of in a way. I don't know if that was meant to be an Easter egg, but I'm calling it an Easter egg. Anyway, you can check out all the cool pictures of the Easter eggs I found in my Jeep at my blog on JeepMama.com. Now, not only just the Wranglers have these tributes, they've started adding them to other Jeep models. So that same silhouette of the seven-slot grill, say that three times real fast, is hidden in the headlamp assembly of the 2014 Grand Cherokees, and I think each year after that as well. And if you have a Renegade, there are at least 30 or more Easter eggs the designers added to that Jeep. So the other thing is, all you Wrangler owners out there, I heard there is something in the engine compartment of the Wranglers. I haven't found it yet, but if you have, give us a call, give us an email. Um, You can go over to the Jeep Talk Show website and click contacts and you can find out all the ways you can get in touch with us and also what other easter eggs have you found i want to hear about that so i'm thinking you know you've been doing these top five things jeep mama's top five this top five that i'm thinking that a good one would be the top five reasons this story would have been good before easter instead of after i talked about (laughs) Looking for Easter eggs last week. I searched for them on Easter. I posted my video, and now I'm telling you what I found. Okay. So there. (laughs) But there were no red Easter eggs. Oh, that's that's just too good a color. They stand out. You know, you're not supposed to be able to find Easter eggs. Now, Tammy, did you know that there are Easter eggs in video games? Yes, I did. I don't know where that where that actually came up first. I don't know if it was video games or movies or, you know, because sometimes you find little awkward things that the director will put into movies. I uh, bet you it was um, Disney, Hidden Mickeys. Oh, mm. interesting. That's, that would be my guess. Yeah, I'd like to know uh, if, uh, if you guys know about some Easter eggs that Tammy didn't mention here. Maybe some uh, very obscure ones, hidden ones. Uh, maybe a, uh, I don't know how good an Easter egg it would be, but maybe a, 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 the thumbnail of somebody that built your Jeep that's in between the panels. Uh, All I know is the last time I came across a hidden Mickey, I woke up in a strange apartment. <laughs> and my <laughs> kidney was missing. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki G did find um, a stock ketchup packet in his Jeep. <laughs> that's what he commented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of Nikki G, he's coming up later in the show. And oh, did you God. know the countdown is on? Less than 30 days, and I will get to meet Nikki G in person. Oh, so make- what you're saying is it's not too late for a restraining order. <laughs> Yeah, make for sure, Nikki G, right? <laughs> make sure that you got lots of uh, uh, memory. I want to say film. Lots of space on your uh, your memory card so you can take lots of pictures of you and Nikki G and carry a 10-foot pole with you. Well, you were yeah. going to say film. I was going to say Purell, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing but love, Nikki G. Nothing but love. Hey, if you guys want to give us some love, well, we love hearing those reviews and the comments that you guys leave us. And, of course, you can do that any number of ways. Pretty much wherever you can find us online, you can find a way to leave us a message and a review. On iTunes, Stitcher Radio, of course, Facebook, you can leave us a review there now. Comments on YouTube, pretty much anywhere you can find us, find a way to leave us a review. And we always love to read those on the air. Now, on March 25th at 7.32 a.m., what the heck were you doing up that early, Aaron? Aaron reviewed the Jeep Talk Show uh, through Facebook. He gave us a five-star review. He also left us a comment and says, love your show. I've been listening to them on Spotify, and I have learned a ton. I'm a new Jeeper, and there's so much more to it than I knew about. It's a little intimidating, but your show has made it more user-friendly and accessible. Thanks for that. I love Tammy's top five. Very helpful information. I would like to hear more on Trail Etiquette. The first show that I ever listened to had a little bit about it, but I'd like to hear more. Thanks for what you guys do, and I look forward to hearing more. Aaron in Atlanta. Thanks, yeah. Aaron in Atlanta. Love the review and, of course, love the comment and the interaction, buddy. Yeah, I knew and, that we had uh, talked about trail etiquette before, and I thought that was great that he was reminding us uh, about that because new people are coming to the show all the time, so we need to talk about the things we've talked about in the past. Yeah, that's and, right. And with wheeling season opening up here <laughs> officially in May, uh, well, I guess that would be a good time to do it. And Tammy. I was, I was air choking you both. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I just want to say when he said I love Tammy's top five, I wanted to go nanny nanny boo boo. Um, <laughs> I love the top guess, five. I just think it should be a top ten. <laughs> guess what? Well, sometimes I can't come up with ten things. Yeah, no, ten, so ten's tough. It's really tough. But I am going to do um, a trail etiquette top five things you should do on the trails. Excellent. That is great. Uh, would one of them be getting winched so people don't have to wait to, for uh, somebody to come tow you out no, of the way? Absolutely <laughs> hey, move that not. Toyota out of the way, would you? <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I don't need a winch. I'm never gonna get stuck. <laughs> anyway, great review. We really appreciate that, and uh, we've been getting so many of them. Uh, we're just throwing one in uh, the show a week. So uh, get your review in there, we so do. we can make sure that we have it on the show really, really soon. Alexa. Ask the Jeep Talk Show to play the latest episode. Welcome. You can listen to all the episodes of Jeep Talk Show, a Jeep podcast, including new episodes, as they are released. For now, you'll start with the most recent episode, but you can change by skipping forward or backward. You can even say how many episodes you'd like to skip. The newest episode is EP.323, New Wrangler Just Got More Expensive. Would you like to listen to it? Yes. Here's EP.323, New Wrangler Just Got More Expensive. Episode 323, March 8th, 2018. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? Alexa, stop. Okay, come back anytime to listen to your podcast. You just have to say, 
Alexa, resume. I mean, how cool is that? Uh, the Jeep Talk Show now on the Amazon Echo. I'm not going to say the A word. <laughs> so you can actually just sit there and tell your Echo to listen to the show, and it will. Oh, you know, this reminds me. We have a brand new Facebook group called, also called Jeep Talk Show. Right. And today, somebody made a posting about, uh, you know, remember that talking bass that was mounted on the wall, and then you press oh, yeah. a button and it would start talking. Somebody hooked their Amazon Echo to the talking bass. Oh, for f's sake! So oh, I think it. <laughs> Was it Rob the Tune Man that did it? I can't remember. It was a hilarious yeah. though, and they they so said the, this the is... bass on the wall starts talking in a, in 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 Alexa voice. Exactly, oh, come on. it's gonna so, freak me out. So now, if you want to, you could actually get one of those old bass, that old bass that you have on the wall, the old talking bass. <laughs> hook it up to your Amazon Echo, and you can listen to our show through the bass. <laughs> if you if you ever okay, if you ever thought That's our show needed more weird. bass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bass. <laughs> I like bass. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Over the last couple months, we've covered a lot of front-end tech, from lockers and gears, differentials to shocks, from tire size and selection to more information than you probably ever wanted to know about wheel bearings. So I think today we're going to go over some of the basics behind one of the most common issues that can arise when modifying a Jeep, the dreaded death wobble. Now, those two words strike the deepest sense of fear and loathing, and not in the good Hunter S. Thompson-esque Las Vegas kind of way, into the very soul of any Jeeper unlucky enough to have lived through it. Now, for those who are new to the Jeep world, who have yet to encounter this short-staining phenomenon, I'll explain it as best I can without breaking into tears and curling up into a fetal position, <laughs> sucking my thumb, and cuddling a toe strap. Death wobble is explained as, quote, a mechanical condition that exists in the front end of vehicles with a solid front axle. The symptom is a violent oscillation of the front axle in a side-to-side -side motion resulting in a shaking or wobble that is translated up through the steering wheel and makes the vehicle hard to control. Well, that's about the understatement of the century. When the steering wheel is violently jerking from left to right so hard it looks like you're doing an epileptic version of the Macarena with your steering wheel, it's no laughing matter. But it's not the end of the world, and even though there can be a number of things going wrong to cause death wobble, well, we're here to help you narrow it down. Now, when trying to diagnose death wobble, it's best to start small and work your way up. Start by checking the front wheel bearings. Very easy to do. Simply jack up the front tires off the ground and grabbing the top and bottom of the tire tread, try and wiggle the tire rim back and forth. If there's any lateral play that's noticed at all, well, check to see where it's coming from. The usual suspects are the hub bearing, preload, or unit bearings on newer Jeep vehicles, or even the ball joints. Now, getting in nice and tight with your steering knuckle, you got to get in there while the tire and the rim is wiggled around a bunch will help narrow things down further. It might help to have a buddy around here so you can get your head in one area and, well, we have the wheel work with another. Now, the hub ad adjustment, bearings, and ball joints all check out okay. We're going to want to move on to the tires now, making sure they're properly balanced. You can try mounting the rear tires on the front and see if that helps. If not, well, maybe you want to take the tires back to the shop that did the balancing to begin with and have them make sure the balance is still true. This is good practice to do periodically, even if you wheel your daily driver a lot. Every time you air down, your tires get a little bit less out of balance. Over time, this can become quite noticeable. And over a very long period of time, well, you can start wear and tear on the vehicle. Now with the tires ruled out, we'll move on to the steering linkage. You'll be paying very close attention to the tie rod drag link, and pitman arm ends. 
the tires on the ground, have somebody work the steering wheel back and forth with a good half revolution each way. Have them keep doing this over and over again while you inspect the steering linkage. You're going to check the tie rod ends, the drag link, and the pitman arm ends, and the track bar bushings if you don't have leaf springs. The axle side track bar mount on the Dana 30 is by far one of the most common sources of death wobble in Jeeps. But don't immediately think that this could be the one culprit or the only culprit as any one or combination of these components going bad can contribute to death wobble. And what you're looking for is shiny metal, excessive play, noises like thunking, clunking, or grinding. It may take several minutes of real close scrutinizing before you notice something, which is not uncommon. Now, if you're completely unsure of what to look for, if a lot of these components or you just don't know what they are and stuff, well, consider enlisting the help of a member of your local Jeep club. Check out the pictures and videos online or seek the advice of a trusted mechanic or off-road specialist. Finally, if your Jeep has been lifted, check the front axle caster. This is a very common issue and is oftentimes overlooked. You generally want 4 to 6 degrees positive caster where the bottom ball joint will be slightly in front of the top one. Usually when a lift is installed on a Jeep like ours, well, the front axle may be rotated upwards a little bit to alleviate pinion angle and reduce drive shaft vibration. However, when the pinion is raised, caster angle is lowered. If your caster is too low, well, you're going to have to remove the spring shims if your Jeep has leaf springs or adjust the control arm length if you have adjustable control arms, that is. Uh, and if applicable anyways, you could adjust the eccentric bolts uh, to increase caster to the desired amount. Obviously, this is all stuff that would be best handled by uh, somebody who does alignments on a regular basis. Now, once you've ensured proper tire balance, replaced any worn steering components, and are content with what you've seen in your visual inspections, well, you'll, of course, know what to keep an eye out for in the future. And with this, your Jeep should be driving like a Cadillac. A very unruly, <laughs> off-road-worthy, scares-the-small-children kind of Cadillac, but still. <laughs> Let me know if this advice helps you out, guys, or if you'd like to chime in, add your own advice, or submit your own tech question for Tech Talk. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com or jeeptalkforum.com, and we'll see you there. So, you know, it seems like I see uh, on the forums and uh, on Facebook occasionally somebody uh, experiencing death wobble, and uh, somebody will in, uh, invariably come in and say, oh, you need to replace that steering stabilizer. You know, it's it's a, that horizontal shock that you see in the front end there. Um, any thoughts on that, Josh? Well, that that really is only going to be a Band-Aid. Yes, steering stabilizers can go out. Uh, they do see wear over a period of time, and yes, they can become, uh, do, well, they'll do a little bit less of what they're supposed to be doing over, over a period of time. And especially if you've you know spent a lot of time off-roading, and well, that steering stabilizer is the one that came on the vehicle, and you've got a lot of miles on it, well, chances are it is worn out. But... The steering stabilizer is never, ever going to be the cause of death wobble. Now, putting a new steering stabilizer on might go ahead and mask some of the symptoms of death wobble. But again, it's just going to be a Band-Aid and is not going to be a fix for the underlying cause, which is the main reason for that death wobble being there to begin with. So the steering stabilizer, not a source and not a true fix. No, it, it really is just a nicety for your steering. It makes things feel better for you. Uh, smooth, th uh, it smooths it out. So yeah, think of it like a dampener, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So and, and uh, there's a lot of people uh, with the one ton steering that don't have stabilizers. I'm so one of them, in fact. Exactly. So you don't actually need one. But uh, I'm not saying don't get rid of it. But right. But don't uh, tie it to death wobble. It, it, it's not the the cause or the solution. 
Hey, Jeepers, I asked you guys a similar question back in February on episode 321, but since it's been a month or so, let me try a different approach here. Tony, Tammy, if given the opportunity to win a JL Wrangler with mods like 2.5-inch TerraFlex lift, mammoth boulder wheels on 35-inch Nito, Nito trail grapplers, how about a barricade bumper on that thing with ruby rails and a 9,500-pound winch? Oh, and dual A-pillar lights. Would you like that? Or... Would you go for something more like a wildly modded JK? We're talking three-inch TerraFlex Elite low center of gravity long arm suspension with Falcon Series 3.3 shocks, 17-inch mammoth boulder wheels with 35-inch Mickey Thompson Baja MTZs on it, front and rear Artec axle trusses. I'm talking U.S. alloy uh, 410 gears, Deegan 38 grill with LED light, Smitty-built SRC cage, barricade armor package. We're talking the whole kit and caboodle here. Rock sliders, ruby rails, tubular fender flares, winch, and dual A-pillar lights. Which one would you guys go with? Well, Extreme Terrain wants your guys' input. I'm talking to you, our listener, on which Wrangler they should build for ne their next giveaway. You can enter weekly for your chance to win either a mild JL or a wild JK. Either way, it's a prize package with an approximate value of $50,000. Do yourself a favor. Visit ExtremeTerrain.com today and let the gang over there know which Jeep is better or visit JeepTalkShow.com and find the link under this episode's show notes. Route 16 Off-Road brings you the best gear from the brands and the off-road community all in one place. From Power Tank, S-Pod, KC Highlights, Aries, Nitro, Crazy Beaver, Poison Spider, Traction Jack, Rugged Ridge, Factor 55, Yukon, Rubicon Express, Warren, Pro Eagle, Owens Products, Tuffy, and many more. As a community-focused brand, they sponsor some great events, clubs, and organizations. From the Uari OHV Jamboree to the Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam. From the Car Carolina Trails Off-Road Uari Invasion to the Marine Recon Challenge. How about Top Sail Island Jeep Week and the 36 Hours of Uari Adventure Race? Team True Patriot. Chances are they're going to be at an event this year you're attending. So make sure you stop by, say hi, or even order your next parts right on the spot in their web orders tent. You can find Route 16 Off-Road on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even Pinterest. Or just head over straight to their website at route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com. Route 16 Off-Road, they live the Jeep life too. Hey guys, this is Super Croc here. And I was listening to the most recent XJ talk show. And <laughs> Wrong. Tammy was doing her Wrangler talk, and she had something that made me almost fall off her my chair. At around 1660, uh, at least on the YouTube version, she said that Wranglers, or I should say Wranglers, <laughs> are the only Jeeps that have no door, or can have no doors, or can go topless. And I'd say that's not only patently false, but very misleading. <laughs> Especially if you consider the CJ2 and 3. They didn't even come with doors or a hard top. You had to build them 
or buy them aftermarket. Now, if she would say something like that are currently being made or in the common My ear, bad. years, <laughs> that would be different. But all that's I mean, come on. I think that demands a full stop apology right there. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Tammy, you to task. Tammy, you have upset the cross. I know. Does he not have a wife? And does he not know that? <laughs> He's got a bunch you're of supposed to know Of that course, stuff? he doesn't have a wife. <laughs> you're supposed to just know what I meant. Jeez. Oh, so, Be yeah, yes. Mind. So, there I was. Apologize. So, Wranglers aren't the only. I'm sorry. What were you saying? My apologies. Wow. Two, two apologies, one show. So, <laughs> we thank you for pointing the that out. Wranglers are the only coolest Jeeps. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just kidding. More Joke. hate mail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coming. Send that to Tammy at JeepTalkShow.com. <laughs> well, we appreciate the calls and uh, the uh, the correcting of Tammy. That's That's always enjoyable. That's the first time. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with the tech, big old tires and a lighter. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are to give me a beer. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Well, I often start these things off with, uh, we got a very special interview tonight, <laughs> but I would say we have a, a very special interview tonight for uh, for reals. Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Bender. Uh, if you guys uh, have been watching Truck Night in America, and, and of course you have, uh, you may know him as uh, Rob Park. Uh, uh, would you prefer Rob or Bender? I bet you like Bender the best. Um, actually, Bender's what everybody's called me for years, the last you know 20 years since I... I stopped the Enron thing and, and pursued some some of my interests, my love of the sport. So it's, it's Bender. It's, it's kind of odd to hear Rob. You know, I, I forgot about that. I, I did read about that uh, where you were at Enron. Now, did you personally uh, cause the collapse of Enron? I, I didn't see that in the article that I read. <laughs> oh, God. My, my friends say that because uh, because I, I tend to be a bull in a china shop, but I, I was a commodities buyer. I, I did have a suit and tie. I, oh. I had, to, had to comb over. Um, it was Mr. Park, um, and I, and it, you know it was, it was prestigious, and, and this, I spent an awful lot of money, but uh, it wasn't as rewarding as as one would think. So the collapse kind of changed my changed my world. It stood it on end, and I decided to to change change directions, and it's been a wonderful ride ever since. So this, I would think this would would almost be like a, a mood altering. Uh, I think you said life changing event, a big huge slap in the face because you're living a life that you know, and then all of a sudden this this awesome horribly awesome thing occurs, and you gotta <laughs> and you gotta you gotta sink or swim in your life. Uh, I would think. Absolutely no, it was it was horrible uh, to. to you know, and, and honestly, the worst thing is Enron was such a powerhouse back in the day be, before all the lay stuff, the gym lay. And, and, but uh, 
I talked, we were making so much money. I talked my friends and my family into oh, uh, no. investing into Enron and to watch not only everything that I'd have ever worked for, but everything or a big chunk of what they had worked for go down the drain. So yeah, it, w- it was a horrible time, but that, that closed door opened a new one. And like I say, it's been a, a wild, crazy, fulfilling ride wouldn't change it for the world so did you have any time for uh jeeps and off-road stuff uh, while endron was going on or <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of funny I, I would i would constantly look down at my nails i was i was the only person there with calluses and dirty fingernails oh yeah oh jeez. every every other waking moment was building or competing or racing or, or or goofing off in the garage and then you know that was my career that was what you're supposed to be you're supposed to be a you know a career uh a family guy, a house, and a picket fence, and the whole what 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 society tells you you should be. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I kind of shook that 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 things actually fell into place. Wow! So uh, God just kind of stepped up and said, "Enough of this crap. You need to be playing all the time, full time." <laughs> Absolutely, and, and and I say playing all the time. It's it's a lot of work. It's long hours, oh, and, yeah. I, and I I do. I go to bed tired every night, and the the fulfillment that I get from doing that is it. it it's completely worth it. I wouldn't change a thing. So how did you get started doing all this stuff? All the Ooh. fabrication and the off-roading and I mean, where did it begin? Well, we're gonna, we'll go we'll go to the way back machine now. Um, ever since I was a little tiny, we're talking five, six, seven, way back in the day. Um, my grandpa was an auto shop, wood shop, uh, metal shop teacher, was a teacher for 50 years. And my my grandma was the same thing, and I was definitely grandpa's boy. So, um, my grandpa taught me to learn to ripe old age of seven, and and we would. I wanted a go kart, so we would build a go kart. But in that process, he would teach me suspension geometry and steering geometry and all the things I really didn't care about because I was seven <laughs> years old. But right, those are the things that stick with you. Um, there, you know, some hard lessons learned. But <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, heck, I was a kid. I wanted I wanted to have a I wanted to have a go-kart. I didn't want to build a damn go-kart. I just wanted to have one. But right. in that, I, I learned a lot of things. And, and my dad was a, a welder and, an, and a mechanic. And, um, you know, the, they always told me, don't do that. You know, you busted knuckles and, and dirty and greasy and, and you need to do something more. And, uh, the, but in that, we all raced. My, my, I've got pictures of my grandpa racing an old Harley and my standing on the gas tank and my dad racing uh, motorcycles and cars and and so i started racing when i was five and it just it wasn't anything new or different it was just the way that it was we all raced or competed or or, you know and and things that we built and so it's it's, it's hard to explain it was just that's just the way it was and it and uh you know raced motocross and raced cars and i've raced jet skis and mountain bikes and i rally and baja wow king of the hammers and roundy round and drags and i i i don't know i i guess i'm add (laughs) but it's all interesting it's new and exciting and i don't like to stick around with one thing too much i guess i don't know if that answered your question but that was a c oh no yeah it did so (laughs) would you say you you prefer like being in the garage or being behind the wheel more um I I like being in the garage. I, I know some people would say, "Well, that's where you belong because you're not a very good driver." But I I, I, oh. do, I do pretty good. Um, but 
I love puzzles. I love the engineering behind the cars. Um, I used to be heavy into desert racing. And then when rock crawling first came out, um, you remember like Shannon's pinky when it really became mainstream back in late eight or nineties, 98, 99 and the first competitions and stuff. Um, it just intrigued me to see a vehicle do, mm-hmm. do these impossible feats, these crazy things, even though back then they were all license plated rigs. It was just, it was neat. And as a, a builder or a fabricator, um, I really wanted to build something that would do that. It just intrigued me. So started building some off-road rigs and, and changing everything that I knew about desert racing and, and it wasn't figured out. Everybody, there were all kinds of goofy rigs back in the day, um, different hydraulics and, you know, severely overcomplicated rigs. Now that we look back at them and, uh, I don't know, it was, it, it intrigued me. So that was a change in, into off-roading or four-wheel drive instead of peeling out and going fast. So, so what do you prefer on those going fast or crawling on rocks? Well, <laughs> I, it, and that changes every week, just like some of my interests, but I, your I, ADD kicks in. Yeah. Right? I got, got out of desert racing. Desert racing has a, is, is really awesome. You're fast, you're, you're hauling butt, but the logistics behind a desert race is crazy. You, you, you got to have six or eight of your best friends, um, even more on a, um, to help you out on a big race, even a local race. And then it's, it's not really family oriented. Um, I have the two boys, um, my wife and, um, kind of a small family, but when I desert race, they, they see me leave the pit and then I come back around an hour or so later and here I go again. And then and here I come again. When we were rock crawling competition, rock crawling, you, you literally sat there and you watched while you were on course, your seven to 10 minutes and you could see, and then, and then you, you come back and you, you're sitting with your family and you're talking mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're watching the next, next course. So rock crawling actually is more fulfilling to me because it is such a, it, it's a roots where my family is and from and real tight knit and, and, and having that, I don't say competition background, but it's just something that we all could enjoy together instead of dad's just peeling out in the desert if that makes sense yeah it does so you mentioned earlier about your your grand, grandfather and your dad trying to get you to do uh really grooming you more for the enron job <laughs> instead of doing the things that, that they were doing and, and that's you know as parents we always we always seem to do that with our kids they want you you want more for your children did uh did i don't know if your dad and grandfather are still around or not but uh did they uh, see you and your career uh blossom as it uh, has here in uh in these years uh since the the go-kart days um you know my dad was he was a little uh i don't know apprehensive uh and you know trying to find a job once the run collapsed and they found that you were a buyer and, and your your resume has has buyer on it for enron mm. um th- that that's kind of a career ender. Yeah. Um, although I, you know, I, I did some other trying to, to hang on to a career kind of a thing. And it wasn't until I honestly went to work for myself and I, my, my biggest change was moving to Reno, Nevada and going to work for Mike Schaefer. Mike Schaefer was the uh, Lance Clifford. Lance Clifford started pirate four by four, um, was the largest four wheel drive site. I think still is. And, uh, Mike Schaefer was the national rock rolling champ at the time. And, I had written some articles on how to bend tube and fabrication and, and other things just because I've I don't know, done it so long and was a player on Pirate 4x4. I, it was kind of an, 
a natural progression that I went to Schaefer or Schaefer approached me and, and we built the, the next champ car and, and the, the ball started rolling. So when, when I first gave up, I guess to answer your question, when I first gave up trying to pursue a career and went for something that actually, because my, my father's a little apprehensive. And then once he saw that, you know, we reached a national level or, or even the world finals, it, it was up behind me a hundred percent. Yeah. I bet he was very, very proud and happy, especially from, uh, uh, being from that kind of uh, background himself, uh, you, yeah. you wouldn't expect to see anybody. Ex- you wouldn't expect your child uh, to to ex- ex- exceed, succeed, and exceed at something like that. So it, it had to have been wonderful, and especially seeing that it is uh, uh, like a resurrection from the uh, the Enron thing. Uh, which again, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I lost my job uh, right after nine uh, eleven, and I was out of work for eleven months. So I can just well imagine how horrific it was of a time, especially with a family. But anyway, oh. uh, enough talk about that. I just, I'm internalizing that too much. <laughs> how did you, how did you become a part of Truck Night in America? Where, where did that come oh, out Yeah, good question. Oh, wow. Um, well, we'll try and give you the short answer. Uh, over my, you know, the last 20 years of building cars and competing and, and, and having the opportunity to, to uh, build cars for some just amazingly talented people. Um, which, as a fabricator, looks good for you, and I don't claim to be any better than anybody else. But because uh, there's some some truly talented people out there, I just got some lucky breaks, and and you build a car for Red Bull, and that leads to Lucas Oil, and 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 your name gets out there. And as a fabricator, that's all you have. And um, um, so I we go to King of the Hammers, and I've raced King of the Hammers every year. In fact, I was part of the Dave Cole, the the founder, the the is is part of my club in fact i jumped him into our little tin bender the tin benders four-wheel drive club started in my backyard years ago we used to race on the hammers trails anyway back to the back to the point i've raced king of the hammers and and the production company came out and said hey we need to talk to somebody and all the fingers pointed in my direction um <laughs> they, were, a, they, 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 they were throwing you under the bus ass. is what they were doing <laughs> so, <laughs> So they interviewed me at the uh, King of the Hammers race uh, last year, and it's it's been a wild ride. It, uh, I'm definitely not a movie guy. I'm not a TV guy. Um, anybody that knows me knows I, I just live and breathe off-road in every facet of off-road. So hamming it up or or putting me in front of a camera was, was definitely odd. Yeah, you had to have wondered if they really understood what they were getting into. I, you know, it, it would be like me being involved in something serious, and it, this wouldn't be possible. <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's it's what I honestly what I tell everybody. They say, "How was it?" And I said, "Honestly, really, I thought it was going to be super cheesy, Hollywood, dumb. You know, just a. I almost didn't do it. My wife was one to talk me into. She says, oh, "A lot of people don't get this opportunity, so go and see yeah. what it's about." And right, I, I just. I just envisioned this off-road gong show, and when I got there and I saw the obstacles and the people involved and the, you know, 160 to 200 production people on set and this massive obstacles, and it just looked fun. Are they as challenging as King of the Hammers or, or Rock Bouncing or, or Baja? Absolutely not. These are these are challenges, goofy. I mean, who pushes a shit off a cliff? Come on. <laughs> but, but it's fun. I want to do it. So it, it was neat, and I, and I, I saw the... I saw the idea and, and and myself and the other hosts talked about it because we all had that same, same kind of idea. Here we go. What are we getting ourselves into? And, 
And once we saw it, we drove around the razors and, and drove the courses and some of the obstacles, and it was just fun, and you couldn't stop laughing or smiling. And I thought, this is going to be something. So, and it, and it has taken off. At least if you if you go into it, and people are jaded, and, and myself included. We you you see off road on TV, and you're like, oh, here it goes. Everybody does that. I would I play the biggest offender. But if you go in thinking that every single person that has been on that show would kill to do it again, and and all of our reactions are sincere, even though editing kind of makes us look retarded sometimes. <laughs> it uh, it uh, it was an just awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, the thing I was kind of impressed by this uh, by the show is uh, there are some things like the the toilet uh, launch type thing, and like <laughs> and the the building uh, pushing the buildings off. Now, now for the buildings, it kind of pisses me off because I want a building in my backyard for all the crap that I have in here that I need to store elsewhere. So whenever I see them dumping those buildings, I'm going, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, we, we don't know as hosts, we don't know what the challenges are. Oh, that's interesting. We don't know who the who the vehicles, we don't know anything. We stand on the course and we say, lane one, pull in. Here comes a vehicle and you go, wow, that's a Toyota truck or a Jeep or a Chevy or a Dodge or whatever. Whatever they come, you, you don't know them. You don't know the vehicles or the people. And you say, ready, set, let's go. And the first challenge is on. The last person goes home, the next four go on, and we don't know what the next challenge is, neither do the competitors. So when we when we team up with somebody, we don't know what the challenges are. So it's really hard as a as a host to even pick the person or the vehicle that you think would do well in challenges they, they might throw at you, even though we have no idea what's coming. So it was fun. Yeah. So whenever you, you guys are, are pairing up with uh, the various uh, drivers and vehicles, you really are re- probably just going by what's happened in the first event and l- looking and seeing how that vehicle is built. So yeah, you, now they edit it down, and it's it's hard because there's over four thousand hours of footage for each wow. forty three minute episode. Wow. So they don't they don't catch all the us uh, interacting with the drivers. Hey, you know, tell us about your vehicle. How long have you had it? What rigs have you done or what trails have you done what have you have you ever competed um what modifications have you yourself done to this rig um what other rigs have you had some of these background questions to get get you to know the person because you've got that you know that few minutes of time just to look over the vehicle and talk to the driver to see if it's just some guy who went to the lot and bought something and showed up or is he have time and, and effort invested into that and and those are the guys who truly do well Mm-hmm. Not the best equipment, not the biggest, coolest rig. It's the guys who've had those rigs for years and they know every single thing about it and what it will do. So those are the guys you want to pick. It, some of those rigs are pretty haggard looking yeah. and, and mine would be too, but it's the that connection that the guy has with that vehicle that, that truly pays off. Yeah, knowing your machines. So That's I have a, a question. So for people listening right now who may have never seen Truck Night in America, and I know... There probably are some people out there. Um, what is the premise behind the show? Oh, good idea. So, Truck Night in America is a competition show um, for average blue-collar wheelers um, from all over the country. We have mud boggers and, and pre-runners and all different kinds of vehicles built for all different kinds of terrain, and they don't know what they're getting themselves into. They will next year but the challenges will change. So these guys show up. Um, we don't know them. They don't know us. We do one competition. There's five rigs line up. The last person across whatever little race this is, whether it's a hill climber, a mud bogger, a 
little kind of a drag race. The last person goes home. We never meet them. We don't know their name. We don't Aww. know anything about them. And then we, we circle up and we pair up. We talk to the competitors. We, we, we team up with one person that I, I love Toyotas. I know it's a Jeep show and, I'm, <laughs> and I've competed <laughs> in a lot of Jeeps, but I'm just a, a Toyota fan. So I know a lot about them. And I like that you know, they picked a little bit different road. So what I could bring to the table to help this person win $10,000. We go on to a second. So after we pair up, we go on to another challenge. Don't know what it is. Anything from, man, tug of wars or something crazy like pushing a shed off a cliff or dragging dead cars up a hill or just crazy obstacles or challenges. And the the it's a, an elimination. So the only three advance out of the four, one gets eliminated. Then it gets down to another competition, a handling round, whether it's pulling a trailer through some woods that are on fire or driving on elevated logs three feet off the ground onto these platforms, just weird, crazy obstacles or road challenges. gets down to two people. When it gets down to two people, those two go head to head on an obstacle course um, named the Green Hell. It's a mud bog and logs and jumps and whoops and bridges and Man, there's uh, high-speed sections and tight wooded sections, and they go head-to-head, and whoever can do it the fastest and or if they don't make it all the way, whoever went the furthest wins $10,000 and uh, the Tyler Truck Night in America champ. Well, Bender, uh, Josh here, by the way, the, the show looks an absolute blast. The courses, the challenges alone, I mean, I wish I could have partaken in half of these things that I've seen on the show so far. Were you able to ever get out and have some fun yourself, maybe with your own personal rig or vehicles there on the set, you know, kind of, uh, you know, off camera as you were being able to just kind of do things as you want? Now, they kept us on a pretty tight leash, but they did allow us some input on some of the challenges, some of the obstacles. Um, and we were uh, running around in side by sides. They, ha- they also had a, a formula toy, which is a, a kind of a spec class rock crawler. It's a Toyota truck with a tube chassis on top of it that we could go out and and play on the obstacles. So being from different backgrounds, uh, Abe Wine is a, is a, you know, fourth generation mechanic, um, uh, mud kind of guy. Glenn Plake is a, he's raced Paris did a car roundy round. And he's, you know, probably one of the first pioneers of extreme motorsports or extreme sports. Sorry. Um, So, and then, Pistol Pete Soren, Baja racer, and then me coming from a rock crawling and kind of all kinds of things, but if more heavy in the fabrication background and kind of know what vehicles can do. We'd, we'd play on those obstacles and give our input and they would change them. And, and we always tended to want to have them rougher, more challenging, but they did need to be passable and they do need to be <laughs> achievable by m- more of a, a stock rig. We, we all tend to go off the deep end and, and that's why we do compete in race, I guess. But, uh, so yeah, we did, we played on it and, and, and in doing that, it managed and reassured us that this show is actually going to be something special. I can, I can well, just, you, I can just see the conversation. Well, let's get the moat in here and get some uh, sharks and some alligators. Well, come yeah, on. We need more tank traps over here. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It's only and seven go, feet deep. What the deep. hell are you doing? And you're like, we're, just, we're, 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 you know, we're helping, we're helping <laughs> as we're covered in mud and we're buried up to our hip and, stuff and they're like what are you doing yeah so 
We would use that as an excuse to go play, but don't tell them that. It'll be our secret. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you if, if you know, any of you guys kind of got in trouble at all, you know, trying to get out there and play, or, or if, your, if your advice ended up kind of backfiring at all, and it's like, well, that didn't turn out as we planned, or, you know, any, any of that sort of stuff. Um, absolutely, and, and, and that's heartbreaking, too. It is, when you, when, when you see these guys, and, and they're really going, they may not be competitors, but they're, you know, they're, they're in front of a camera. They're in front of, you know, a million, more than a million people now. And they're, and you, you turn the camera on and things kind of go, go south, but you, you, and you're not, none of the hosts are actors either. We're, we're just normal guys. We're average guys, just like everybody else. So you, not knowing the challenges is hard. And I'm going to throw Abe wine, not under the bus, but, uh, here was one that he really has a hard time with. We, we still talk every day. Um, we text back and forth. Um, really super awesome lady, Angie, um, has this little Toyota truck. And she has, as Toyotas do, they have wheel spacers to increase the track width on the truck. Um, it goes into handling. Um, so we turn the steering stops in. Abe turns the steering stops in so it'll turn sharper. And he pulls her wheel spacers off to narrow the track width in case she's got to weave around through some obstacles. We show up with the challenge, and it's the log it's called the balance beam mm-hmm. and these logs that are spaced really far apart and you have to drive across them. The problem was, is he took off six inches of track width out of the rig. So when he, <laughs> she got onto the balance beams, it really hurt her and it, and it cost her the competition. Um, oh. now Angie's, she's such a great sport. She knows that it wasn't, it wasn't a setup and in any other of the challenges, it would have paid off big. It's just a, a gamble. And they talked about it beforehand, but it, it still weighs heavy on Abe. Um, then I feel for him. Luckily, you know, I'm perfect and, and I never made a mistake. So uh, <laughs> knock, on, knock on wood. Uh, they call that the Tony attitude around here. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, real quick, Bender, I want to ask you if over the years, I mean, you've had your hands in a lot of projects and, and, and certainly some very well-known ones now uh, with the involvement of the History Channel. But over the years, uh, all the different racing, all the different projects and whatnot, do you have a favorite build, a favorite project that you had a hand on, one that stood out from all the rest? Oh, I'm going to have to narrow that down to a couple. Um, all right. Uh, Dustin and Becca Webster are, uh, I think Dustin still holds the world record for the most, um, cliff diving championships, world championships. It's like seven or eight, like from all wow. over the world, Acapulco and everything. They approached me, um, to build them a rock crawler. They were getting out of cliff diving, um, had young kids, just an extreme family. And so I built them, um, a several rigs with Red Bull, but it's a husband and wife team. And as any husband and wife team can attest to, competition would bring out the absolute worst in anybody, sure. especially a married yeah. couple. But and they argued and they fussed and fought, but they they are a couple that I would aspire to be. Amazing people. Um, another one, J.R. Reynolds. I built a Bronco. Uh, it's a tube chassis Bronco, but it won the first King of the Hammers. Um, so that was oh, wow. pretty neat. Yeah. A feather in the cap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, Dave Cole, the what the the owner of Hammer King Production that puts on the hammers. I he was a guy in my four-wheel drive club and in my garage after hours, after building all day, in my personal garage, he built this little Toyota-based buggy. And back in the day, um, don't remember 2004, I think, but he 
won the world finals in a buggy I built in my garage. It was the first time a Toyota Burfield had ever won, well, anything like that, even a national. So that was a neat one too. So th- there's several different uh, things. I think I, I go back to rock crawling instead of desert racing or rally or things just because of the, I don't know, the closest and the camaraderie that comes with wheeling and rock crawling four-wheel drive versus other forms of motorsport. So you have any keepsakes from these projects or, or, uh, or from, you know, some of the, some of the racing or some of the, uh, some of the race vehicles or anything like that, you know, a lug nut here or a, you know, a thrust washer there, things that kind of, you know, Hey, a little, little piece of memorabilia from something that, that you wanted to hold on to. Yeah. If you look at my shop, I have uh, body panels, um, hoods and fenders and they sign them and they, um, I hang them around my shop. It looks like a, you know, they're hanging from the roof, but it looks kind of like a kind of junkyard, I guess now but it's it's really neat to to look back at uh, yeah, that's the fender off of the red bull rocker or the you know bob standish's local lucas oil car um <laughs> that one has its own special meaning bob standish i'm gonna touch on that one we built a car um, called the sidewinder and uh it has the dubious distinction now of having sent more people to the hospital than any other car it had <laughs> since burned down in an accident but i think it had four helicopter flights and six ambulance rides Good Lord, it was, it, man. <laughs> it was a 2,400-pound, 650-horsepower, four-wheel steering, ultra-lightweight buggy, and it was yeah, just a fire. just mean. Where's Tim Allen when we need him, man? <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, that was the first time when I really learned that, that really, there is such a thing as too much. It was a, oh, a good lesson right there. I don't know. Well, it sounds like somebody could uh, take a walk through your shop, take a walk down memory lane. In another few years, heck, that thing might just be a, a museum by now uh, with, all, with all the memorabilia and, and uh, well, well, claims to fame that you might have in oh, there. Oh, man, don't bury him. He's got lots more to do. <laughs> There's no museum oh, time. We're just starting. We're just starting. <laughs> so uh, I, I recently was able to talk with uh, Marbella uh, Mario. She was a contestant. Uh uh, the show is the truck night in, uh, in America is actually on tonight. So this was last week's show and she was a contest contestant in a white uh, a JKU. Uh, she yep. only made it to the second, uh, the second challenge. And, uh, but anyway, I had some, had some time to talk to her and do a little bit of an interview with her that we're going to be playing uh, on the show tonight or have played on the show tonight. And um, she, uh, the, one of the things that it, it, it really came clear to me how she was talking she was talking about we and uh we did this and we did that and uh, uh and bender did this and, and it just was not a i didn't get the feeling that it was i showed up uh they told me to do what i needed to do uh when i was done i was gone and that was all there was to it it was more of a family type thing and it, it, it was really interesting the way she was talking about it it's not it, it, at all what i thought it would be like it was really much like a, uh, I don't, I don't mean kids and stuff running around there, but you all guys were te- tr- treating each other like family, and it sounded like the production company was doing the same thing. And uh, it, it just, it's not the, I don't think that that feeling comes across in the show, and I think maybe some people think about it as just being very uh, uh, cut and dry, but uh, that family feel was was really there in the way she was speaking. And and here's here's what will shine even more light on that. Marbella was an, an amazing competitor, just a character. Yeah. But her coach, I wasn't her coach. Pete Soren, Pistol Pete was her coach. But you get so um, drawn into these people. They're amazing people. I am their biggest fan. And I, and I don't say that loosely. I 
you know, I've competed against and with some of the biggest names in industry. Um, you know, Shannon Campbell and Lauren Healy and, and BJ Baldwin in the desert and all these, these big name people that you know. Um, but, and you root for them because they're, they're friends. I, I talk to them all the time, but the average Joe blue, and I say blue collar, but it's just from all walks of life show up out here not knowing what to expect and they, they bring their pride and joy, their, their rig out and, and compete. And I honestly, their biggest fan, it was, an, I, I use the word amazing too much, but it was an amazing experience to, to meet these people. And that's why I, I, I consider them all my friend. I talk to them all the time. We miss a message all the time. And if this thing goes on nine seasons, I'm going to be severely screwed because there's going to be, <laughs> my phone will never, <laughs> never stop. But um, I saw Marbella at uh, SEMA this last year. I was a, a judge for SEMA, which was a, a big honor for me. Um, the Life is Better Off-Road Award. And I judged judged your rigs there, and I'm walking through the crowd of several hundred thousand people, and here's Marbella. And I said, what the hell? How are you doing? <laughs> and she said, cool. said, you know what? That was a big thing to me, that you spotted me out of the crowd, and you came to me and said, hey, I'd I, – it's weird to me. I'm I'm nobody special. I'm just an average Joe that likes to build stuff. And to her to put me on a pedestal like I wouldn't approach her was was kind of telling. But I, a hundred yards away, here I I look like a little schoolgirl running across SEMA going. <laughs> it was neat. great. It was an amazing experience. I can't stress it enough. How the production company, um, the show. The contestants, the other hosts, everybody was so focused on, on on having a good time. I've never seen 200 people, any 200 people, especially artistic people, and I'm talking about the production people, mm-hmm. f- focused in one direction in such a positive way. You get 200 people together, and, and they're going to go 50 different directions at least, but everybody was so focused and into this show and having such a good time that it I, I like you said i think it does come across the screen and as some goofy at times and maybe cheesy and and the way that they edit us hosts is we're jumping around like clowns but those aren't faked emotions when 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 somebody gets knocked out and they go oh, look at the fake tears no they're that's a real oh, deal no. you feel bad for them you yeah. either feel personally responsible or you're like wow i you know i was really re- that was my that was my girl. And, and so jaded, like I say before, TV, especially as of late, everybody's jaded and they expect the worst out of things and they expect everything to be set up or, you know, kind of a lizard lick towing thing where it's just, it's all just (laughs) fake TV. Um, every bit of that show is absolutely real in every sense of it. Not one faked emotion, not one, staged breakdown not one state there's nothing it was absolutely how it was no changes well if you have maybe some editing yeah of course but if you have any time at all off uh, off road you can tell that uh especially when they hit that mud hole i hate that mud hole i just <laughs> i was waiting for somebody to make it pass you now, know make it through you're that gonna mud be surprised hole. i'm not i can't i can't say okay good i can't say anything more than that but stay tuned i got some hope and <laughs> 
<laughs> you will be surprised. I thought that uh, guy great. in that Chevy uh, uh, week before last, I think it was, I thought he was going to make it through there, but everybody winches. But uh, but anyway, in that interview with Marbella, uh, I actually asked her if there was something she would like to say to you, and uh, she did, and I'm going to play it for you right now. Okay. Uh, Rob, all I can say is you're one awesome rad dude. I'm so happy I got to meet you and your wife, to get to know you guys personally. It's just been an awesome experience through all this thing. And your support uh, with me and everybody else on the show has just been phenomenal. And if anybody has a bad word to say about you, send it my way. I'll just uh, party <laughs> chop them into next week. <laughs> And she's awesome. I don't know if you've if you've met Marbella. She's a, a fitness um, person. She does. Uh, my wife does too. She's a bodybuilder. So I, I have to speak nice about her. I have to. Uh, I keep looking over my shoulder to make sure my wife's not listening to me. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta talk nice about both of them then. <laughs> like a, I can't say it enough. How every single person on that show, every competitor, um, and all the pressure people, especially the competitors, are just. I, I honestly, truly consider every single one of them my friend. Well, well Bender, it sounds like the, the experience of going through the show ha- has, at least in some regard, changed your outlook on competition as a whole, at least in the off-road world. I mean, it, this is certainly a very unique level of competition, but have you been able to, to sort of uh, change your advice and as far as competition goes to your own family members who are involved in off-road? Absolutely. Um, and, and, man, that's a great question. So as, as a competitor and the people listening out there, as you compete or you strive to do anything, whether it's um, whether you're running a marathon or whatever you're doing, you get so focused on wanting to win whatever it is you're at, even hell, it doesn't matter when you you got to be faster than the other guy down the freeway. It doesn't matter. Everything turns into a competition. You lose track of the trip, the Mm -hmm. experience of doing it. If you show up to race or you show up to compete, solely for the purpose of winning you're doing it for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. you have to enjoy every single bit of that experience because there is no guarantees anything can happen and after you know 40 years of doing this the one thing that i have learned and especially here lately is is to really enjoy the experience and if you're not doing that and you show up frustrated or you leave frustrated you need to look into doing something else life's too short and enjoy the trip it's the here, journey, here. not the destination. Absolutely. And and it sounds so cliche. It honestly does. But mm-hmm. you see people that show up, and, and I, I see it now where they just go, God dang it, my transmission blew up, son of a, you know, and they, they blow up and they're throwing stuff. And they're just frustrating because it's competition. But, you know, it, it happens to the best of them. And you and you watch some of these people who are, who are seasoned racers, like I say, Shannon Campbell and Lauren Healy and, and even – Jason Polly back in the day and, and some of the people that I admire, you you see them and they, they always have a smile, all, it, all is always good. And because of that, people gravitate toward them. It's the people who have a negative attitude or blow up and and aren't having fun that drive people away. And, and I think that's you were segue, but I think that's what a big attraction to the show is. It's you can honestly tell that everybody's having such a good time. All the time. Yeah, it's the best of uh, off-road competition. And I'll just throw this in here real quick. 
I am not a reality show type person. I, I really don't care for it because, like you say, you can you just get the sense of a lot of uh, manufactured uh, situations. And uh, whenever I first heard about uh, Truck Night in America, I went, oh, this is cool. This is uh, off-road. This is four-wheel drive type stuff. It's, uh, I'm interested in that. And uh, I said, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, and then I found out some, some folks that I knew, uh, uh, friends on Facebook, were actually in it. So I got a little more interested in watching it. And boy, I was just really, really surprised, pleasantly surprised. And, uh, and then whenever they changed up some of the challenges, uh, I think when the one week I watched it, it was really more um, non-toilet <laughs> uh, launching <laughs> rubber bands and uh, not pushing the building off the, off the cliff. It was more, you know, the, the vehicle actually out there going through a challenge. I just found it extremely interesting and had a, a really good time watching that. So maybe we'll see more of that in the upcoming shows. Um, Absolutely. They're, 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 they're listening to us a little more on the input and stuff, but good. each one of those challenges, no matter how goofy they are, there is based in, in some theory of four wheel drive, you know, launching a toilet, who launches a toilet? It makes it fun, but it's still traction and speed yeah, you're, and timing. And, yeah, you're absolutely but, right. Yeah. So uh, let's wrap this thing up. We're keeping you longer than what we promised. I apologize about that, but it's just so much fun listening to your stories and what and all that you've gone through. And and frankly, I think the the, the most interesting thing of this whole interview was where you came from and and what you were doing and how you were succeeding. <laughs> and then God said, "No, <laughs> that's not what I want you <laughs> yes. to do. You need to have a good life." Uh, so, uh, wow, that's just just amazing, uh, an amazing life. And uh, I know you must be going to sleep at night going. Why am I here? Something's good. something bad's going to happen to me. This is just too good. But uh, obviously, it won't because uh, you you have a good plan what you're doing there, and we're looking forward to seeing you uh, hopefully on a season two of uh, Truck Night in America. But of course, I think uh, Marvella uh, told me that uh, you there's actually another uh, six episodes of uh, Truck Night in America to look forward to this season. Oh yeah, wow. we have uh, there's ten total episodes, competition episodes, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, but we have a highlight episode where I'm going to, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but uh, we, we as hosts, um, we see who has the fastest times, Ooh. who has, who's their favorite competitors, uh, even though that was a hard one, who we'd like to see come back, um, and some of the highlights of destruction and, and some of the things. So the, the episodes that I usually just, eh, it's just the highlight stuff. This one is one you're going to want to see. Oh, that sounds too Boy, cool. cool. You heard it here first on the Jeep Talk Show, guys. <laughs> Big teaser. <laughs> so as I always say, the kids like the social media these days. How can uh, people reach out to you? Uh, like you need more people reaching out to you. But how can people reach out to you and maybe the show and uh, just, you know, maybe follow along on the Instagram or something? Where, where are you at? How do they get you? Uh, Facebook is just Rob Bender Park on Facebook. And uh, on Instagram, it's Tin Bender Rob. Um, and I, I, I try to stay just as active as possible on there and I try to engage people both good and bad and enlighten people on some of the things and questions they have on the show and, and, uh, whether they're good, bad, or otherwise, everybody's entitled to their own opinion and, mm -hmm. and I welcome them. And, and when you say, uh, you try to stay engaged, it's actually you and one of your people keeping up with your social media for you. Absolutely. It is me <laughs> authentically me to, to a fault. <laughs> why did you say that i can just see your wife going no honey no don't say that that's wrong yeah <laughs> all right bender thanks a lot for being with us we've been uh, anticipating this uh and uh it uh, certainly paid off thank you very much and uh hopefully we can have you back on really soon maybe uh you can uh 
uh, break some uh, season two news for uh, Truck Night in uh, America. I hope you guys are watching it. If you're not, you should. Every Thursday night, it comes on around uh, 9 o'clock here in the Central Time Zone, I believe, on the History Channel. Seven on the West Coast. Uh, My pleasure. It's It's been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, big thanks again. Shout out to Rob Park for taking the time to talk about Truck Night in America. Hey, do you have an idea for a guest? Well, maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. And of course, we found out, you said Rob Park, and if he's listening, he looked behind himself because he's trying to figure out who you're talking about. He goes by Bender. (laughs) <laughs> that was a great interview. You know, uh, every once in a while, you have a guest that is uh, is so good, so entertaining, that uh, y- you just kind of want to not talk and stay out of the way and just let, let them tell their story. Uh, we, of course, did, didn't uh, do that. We uh, jumped in as often as much as we could because <laughs> we all wanted to ask uh, questions. But, boy, what a fun interview. And uh, you guys, you got to check out History Channel's Truck Night in America every Thursday uh, around uh, 8 p.m. Several. Uh, Rob told us, uh, Bender told us, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So make sure you catch it. We'd like to hear what your thoughts of the show are as well. So make sure that you go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and reach out to us and let us know what you think about the show. Coming up next week, interview with Jerry Samoose from Old Soldier Ironworks, makers of the one and only Freedom Flyer. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, spring has sprung, and it's that time of year when all the Canadian geese are heading back up north for the summer, but not after they stop here in North Carolina and crap all over the Taco Bell parking lot. Secret sauce. I was thinking, I'd like to say a word to all the Canadian listeners up there, uh, I've got your geese. I collected them, and uh, I have them held hostage in my backyard. And I will release them to you for 100 pounds of your finest Canadian bacon. (laughs) And also, if you could explain to me the deal about your currency. You got a coin called a loony, but it's got a picture of a duck on it. (laughs) How does it not have a picture of... uh, Martin Short or Mike Myers or any one of your other fine comedians. Good point. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> well, the the there's a loon, Nikki G. It's a it's like a duck. It's a loon. That guy really quacks me up. Mm-hmm. Okay, class, it's time for a review. <laughs> Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Oh, that was funny. Hang on, let me play it again because it it shows okay, still, it shows that it's still playing, saying. but it, it's there. We go now. It stopped. Okay, hang on. Okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Now, what is it, and why do I want it? Well, folks, today I'm going to review something that I never knew existed up until about a year ago. And these things are called plastic trim removal tools. They, these tools are so inexpensive, but really a must if you're doing work on the interior of your Jeep or any vehicle. So what are they? Well, they are exactly what the name says. They are plastic tools that are used to remove the trim in our vehicles. The trim is the plastic that is on your dashboard, center console, door panels, molding. 
Now, when you have instructions for some Jeep part that you're putting into the interior of your Jeep, it might call for you to use a flathead screwdriver to remove molding or a fastener or some other plastic trim in your Jeep. Don't do it. Go out and get some of these tools. Or better yet, you can stay at home and shop at Amazon. So anyway, these tools are they're very durable. They resist breaking. They are rigid enough to help remove the trim and flexible enough to resist the breaking thanks to their nylon composite construction. These tools are more gentle and soft on the surfaces than metal tools, which help reduce scratches and marring. And they have unique designs that allow for access to the trim to remove the piece correctly. These tools pay for themselves by saving you time and frustration. I bought mine at Harbor Freight for like seven bucks. I got four of them. Um, And you can also get different kinds, different varieties on Amazon. The prices are so reasonable. Even Tony might even dish out the money for these tools. And they come in all sorts of varieties, like I said. And these are a must for every Jeeper who does interior mods. So something everybody should get. Interesting. Yeah, I'm familiar with these. Um, I, I will say that uh, if you have a manual crank windows, like on your on your CJ or, or your YJ, um, even on your TJ, I suppose, um, and you know you you want to do some stuff behind the door panel uh, or whatever, you're going to need one of these tools to remove the manual window crank. Um, they, there is a special clip in there. It is hard to get to. And if you're just trying to use a screwdriver, there's a good chance you're going to scratch your panel or that spring clip is going to go flying off. Door panel clips, uh, clips behind the dash panel, you know, stuff like that. All these things really you need a good tool for in order to remove them without breaking them or breaking the component that you're trying to remove. Now, working in moto, uh, automotive electronics for over a decade, I've got all sorts of specialty tools uh, for removing cars interior and stuff like that. Um, and these these panel uh, trim panel removal tools are essential if you're going to be doing any kind of interior wiring or if you're doing a, a restoration job, something like that. Um, I will say this, that if you are planning on doing a very large project or you're planning on doing uh, projects like this where you're removing the interior panels frequently, where you know, let's maybe uh, say you, you've gotten into mobile audio yourself or you're opening up a shop, or you're doing uh, interior mods and stuff like that. I will say that the the um, Harbor Freight version is not going to be one that's going to stand up for the long term. Great if you're only going to be pulling your panels off once or twice over the course of owning your Jeep or whatever. Uh, but for the long term, you want something a little more durable. Um, I would you know check out some of the more specialty tools, maybe uh, you know from um, other manufacturers. You know, I may have to get a set of these things because uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had this this situation on the the crank handles. Uh, it, it always seems to be in the worst place. Uh, on my wife's TJ, the driver's side door crank handle is just right even with my knee. So it, it as I'm sitting there, my knee is riding on that knob. And if oh yeah, so- crank handle. For manual windows. No, I know. She's, I was. She, oh, <laughs> she's being one of those people. You know, heated seat people. Yeah. So yeah, but Tony, if you wanted to relocate that handle and and make its resting position in in a clocked, you know, different clocked oh, position yeah. than where it's it at right now, yeah, grab one of these kits from your local Harbor Freight. Pop that thing off real easy and quick, and uh, and save that clip and be able to put it back on in in the position that you want. 
and uh, and you won't have to break anything. But I don't have to do it quick. I can take my time if I want to, right? Because it's fun Absolutely. just sitting in the Jeep, you know? <laughs> hey, folks, do you have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes is Wheeling Wear. Last week, I know it's always a weather thing. I always start off with a weather thing here, or an, or a personal insult, one of the two. Um, <laughs> last week, it was in the 80s down here, and we got oh, a and we got another control yeah. uh, c- control. We got another front that came through, and uh, it was in the 50s this morning. So, you know, you just you just never can tell. Well, you know, last week I, I made a, uh, a proclamation, a declaration, if you uh, will, that come hell or high water, I was going to be working on my Jeep. So what? which was it, hell or high water? Well, both came, in fact, <laughs> and uh, I saw a flying pig as well, but that's besides the point. <laughs> uh, no, I did get a, uh, did a good chance to uh, get out in the garage and, uh, and spend some time under my Jeep. Oh, Unfortunately, good. it wasn't as much time uh, as I would have liked because uh, I had a buddy who called in a favor. And I know I was saying that I had plenty hey. of buddies that I could call in favors for. He lied to um, us, Tammy. I know. But, <laughs> you weren't supposed to help anyone. I know. He lied. I know. He lied, I know. And I said that I was going to turn the phone off and everything, but he, he kind of beat <laughs> me to it uh, Friday. He's like, hey, by the way, uh, do you think you could come over? And this now this is a guy who he has given me a rear bumper for, for my Jeep. I have yet to um, weld it together and, 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 and put it on, but... Uh, uh, he's also hooked me up with some tools before in the past. Um, I, needless to say, I owe him. So um, I, I was more than happy to drop what I was doing and and come out there and and help him. He uh, uh, was doing some uh, additions to his long arm kit, uh, putting in some um, some crush sleeves and and stuff in some of the brackets and whatnot. And and he's uh, he's got some carpal tunnel and some arthritis issues and uh, and can't really operate power tools as well as as he would like to holy crap um, so, i need a little violin to play as this was <laughs> as this is going on <laughs> but no seriously when you've got a drill you know a dozen or so holes through through you know frame stiffeners and unibody to put these crush sleeves in and everything i mean it is a difficult it is. job especially when you've got exhaust and transfer case and drive lines and fuel lines and brake lines all in the way of right where you need to go and you've got things like, you know, body seams and, oh, here's the rest of the unibody in your way. You know, all, all the stuff that makes it so you can't just drill a straight hole right through this in a perfect line. You've got to, well, now you need a right angle drill. Well, now you need to spot drill that. And now you need to, you know, and so there, it was a very lengthy process and going through several layers of 3 16 inch steel. Needless to say, I mean, it was an all day type of thing. Um, so when I finally got back to working on my own Jeep, um, I, I managed to get the, uh, the front drive line off. I got the rear drive line off. I got the, the yoke flange adapter off. I pulled all that and then I managed to pull a rib out of place. Oh man. I can't believe you actually went back to working on your Jeep after all that stuff, uh, helping somebody else. Yeah. I would be <laughs> tired after that. <laughs> well, I was, but I was also kind of in one of those work modes, you know, oh, as good. it were. Um, so I was like, man, I, I, I kind of want to just kind of keep this going. I, I'm, you know, making some progress here. I want to, you know, get some stuff going. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I, you know, stood up to take a break or something and, and I didn't even really do anything. I just kind of shifted positions and all of a sudden it was like, huh? it was like down old, to the floor. Right? 
down to the floor I went. And it was one of those like where it's like it's it, it felt literally like a rib had separated from my spine right behind my shoulder blade and it was affecting my diaphragm. I couldn't hardly breathe. And I, and I was just like, okay, I've got to like lay down, figure out how to stretch this out, get this back in place. And it's still like today, it's still bothering me a little bit. Well, it's, I spent it's, some time on the inversion table and, and, uh, and got some movement and some adjustments going and, and kind of got things to slip back into place. But it was, from, yeah, man. It was pressing, pressing on that drill. Drilling through it really the- was um, because there were several points where, you know, I had to kind of shift position and fi- figure out, okay, where and there a lot of, you know, core strength trying to hold this big drill and, and get these holes drilled through all of that steel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for several minutes, you're, you're you know, using everything you got to try and push that drill through the metal. I um, s- even though the drill bit was doing a lot of the work, you still got to put a lot of force in behind it. I still cannot sleep on my... Um- Let's see. On my right side, with my uh, arm out, I have to tuck it under. So I'm actually, oh. I actually have it on the inside of the body while I'm sleeping. If I want to sleep on my right side, I have to tuck my arm in because I did something to my shoulder drilling the hole. Same thing. Uh, what'd you call that? Crush, crush sleeve. Putting yeah. a crush sleeve on the TJ for the uh, uh, track bar bracket. And mm. I was just, I couldn't believe how badly it hurt. It, it didn't hurt at the time, but later on it hurt. And even to the day, I, I still have some little thing, lingering thing in there that I did from it. So that's what you did, man. Pushing on that big drill. And, and I don't know about you, but I get sick of trying to drill the damn thing. And I start pushing harder on it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, so we, we had, had several drill bits, um, yeah. bottom in advance, knew that we're going to be going through several of them. Had the cutting oil um, going the whole time as well. Oh, you did it uh, right. So I'm really, yeah, doing it right. It still is is a bit of a job though, you know. So um, a lot of it, you know, I, I spent uh, you know five five and a half years doing mixed martial arts um, uh, training and stuff. A lot of jujitsu, you know, I have a lot of joint manipulation and stuff like that. I, you know, my shoulders uh, probably not what they used to be. You know, uh, they've 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 definitely been used and abused over the years. So, um, you know, everything going on, whatnot, it was just you know probably perfect storm of of uh, you know events and conditions and whatnot. And all it takes is just the wrong kind of movement in the in the right condition. And oh, there there goes that. And uh, now you're spending the next uh, couple of days eating ibuprofen and sitting on the couch. So are you out for this weekend or you think you may be out there again? No, I think I, I what I'm probably going to do now is, is I'm going to call in, um, I'm going to call in some, some support on this one. And, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get a buddy or two down here to help me out. Um, although I likely could push through this, chances are it's going to be one of those things where I'm, I would aggravate. Yeah. Um, you don't want to lose work you know, or something. Those. And well, you know, it, it's one of those things where it, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to end up, you know, having to go to work, uh, you know, kind of all weird on a muscle relaxer or something. And I, I don't really want to oh, do that. Oh, fun, but, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, Josh, you're drooling on your keyboard again, I see. Uh, <laughs> just step in the office here for a minute. Josh, uh, I'm no, walking around telling Alexa dirty things uh, all, all throughout the <laughs> <right>? office. <laughs> but it's also one of these things where it's like, you know, come on, man. I, I, I've got to get some more work on this accomplished. And, and you know, I'm, I'm one of those that will just push through pain and discomfort or whatever to, you know, make some things happen. So. Yeah, well, hopefully you don't, uh, you don't make it worse or make it long-lasting. But, yeah, we want to get you out there on the trails, get some uh, – Get some on the trail interviews and some mm-hmm. uh, some scenery, some ear ear scenery, you know, from the recordings of uh, being out on the trail. So I'm looking forward to that. But Josh doesn't swear, I'm sure, when he's out on the trails. Well, 
<laughs> Speaking of getting out on the trails, Tammy, you got some wheeling coming up here in the very near future, don't you? Yes, I right now I have five events on the book. Oh, five five events. Uh-huh. Good God. <laughs> the first one is um, in about two weeks, three weeks on the twenty first. It's my first ever where I'm gonna kind of lead the event. <laughs> um, I just. I want to go get um, Jeep Badge of Honor has come up with a new location for a badge and it's Peter's Mill and actually it sounds like just like um, that sounds fake Tammy I'd be careful yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's you got that just, off a of family guy I, I know <laughs> it's just a little it looks like a, a one to two level trail it's just a dirt road um, and then we're going to hit Flagpole which is in Virginia These this is about three and a half hours for me then the first weekend of May, I'm going to meet up with Carolina Trails Off-Road, Brian with Route 16, Nikki G, and some other folks from Carolina Trails Off-Road and go to Uari and hopefully get some more badge of honors. And then in the middle of May, I'm going to spend four, well, three days and three nights. And you guys can still sign up for, there's still spots for the Carolina Trails Off-Road. They still have a few spots left. And um, in the middle of May... Wheelers LLC. You can go over to their website. It's an overlanding weekend. I'm going to be off-roading. I'm going to do some overland routes with scenic views. It's primitive camping, um, instructional classes like how to overland, how to map, how to read maps, navigation, um, all sorts of fun stuff. There's going to be tons of vendors there and nightly campfires. And then there's two charity events in at Roush Creek in June. Um, the first one I went to last year, and that's Crawling for Cops. But this year they're auctioning off a modded Jeep Cherokee. Um, so that's exciting. I That would be cool if I won that. I would keep it the color that it is. I would not paint it red. Um, anyway, and then the next one is... The seventh annual Freak Fest. So <laughs> that sounds scary. Perfect, yeah, perfect for me. So um, that's it, with infidel jeepers. So it sounds like we need to get some uh, Jeep Talk so Show merch in your uh, your mailbox, yes. your UPS place of honor at your house. Uh, so uh, you know we've got the patriotic stickers that have the 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 USA flag is the the filler for the uh, the the emblem. And then we have the one that's just black. What, what, which one do you think would be best uh, for um, for handing out or uh, uh, think, trading for Legos? Yeah, I think the, <laughs> the the Freak Fest and the Crawling for Cops, the flag ones would be pretty cool. Yeah, you can have one or the other. So oh, okay. is, it, is it the black one or the patriotic? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I'd say patriotic, just you know, yeah. demographically. I like that. I like the right. patriotic yeah. one about the best. All right, so uh, we're gonna have uh, we'll have you uh, get you some flags out. I mean, the flags, <laughs> the flag in there. But we'll get you some uh, uh, Jeep Talk Show stickers uh, that you can uh, you can hand out, or like I said, trade trade for Legos. You know, that'd be pretty that'd be pretty funny if you guys would show up with a Lego, and mm-hmm. and and give uh, Tammy a Lego, you know, so she could buy more Jeep parts, and she it gives you a Jeep a- Talk Show sticker. Sticker that would be uh, that'd be I think that'd be a hoot. It has to be a minifig. Those are the little characters. Oh, I, Those, well, I didn't know. I thought they were just, you know, I, I, it's hard to see them when you're stepping on them. I, that's the only thing I know. She's got the official lingo down and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And uh, I don't know. Do you still I have any? Uh, you still got any Jeep Mama uh, swag that you're going to be taking with you out there? Or uh? um, yeah, actually, I'm going to. I still have some bracelets, and I have some a few of the Jeep Talk Show koozies, the purple koozies left. And I was thinking about getting some more Jeep Mama something. But I'm not so, sure what yet. So you need to go out there to these one of these or all of these events and uh, see uh, Jeep Mama for some uh, uh, some swag. I don't want to say Jeep Talk Show swag, but some swag. So we'll see. I'm not sure what I'll get yet. Well, we'll have stickers at least. Yes, stickers and bracelets and some koozies. Oh my! Lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> you got it. You got the reference. Wait, do you guys want to join in on the fun? Join the campfireside chat with us. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Well, guys, we're going to talk about some events that are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. This is called Wheeling Wear, and uh, we have the inaugural Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam coming up April 13th through the 15th. This is the first Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam, and it is uh, well set up to be quite big. In fact, Four Wheel Parts is getting behind this, guys, and uh, they've set up some proving grounds. That's right. That means obstacle Ooh. courses for our Jeeps, right? Food, drinks, over 50 national and local vendors are going to be on site. A massive kid zone. Finders Jeeper scavenger hunt around the famous Grand Strand. There's going to be a show and grime Jeep show and a huge kickoff party Friday the night before to set the whole thing off. It's going to be huge, guys. Huge. Uh, head over to <laughs> mbjeepjam.com for more information on that. Um, and coming up a little bit later in April, April 21st at 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Morris 4x4 Center presents the fourth annual Morris 4x4 event. It's happening at Southwest 2nd Street, Papano Beach, Florida. Uh, there's going to be prizes, music, food trucks, show and shine contest, a massive scratch and dent sale. You're talking about some deep discounts right there. And the first 800 attendees get a goodie bag complete with a limited edition T-shirt. There's even going to be a club contest with a $1,000 gift card grand prize. This is a big event, guys. We're talking thousands of Jeepers showing up to this one. Go check them out. If more information on this one, head over to morris4x4center.com for more information. Uh, we have the Trick Bar and Grill presenting at, with along with Jeeps at the Beach. The Boots for Troops benefit happening April 28th uh, from 3 to 7 p.m. at the Trick Bar and Grill in Tomble, Texas. Uh, for more information on that, well, we'll, of course, have a Facebook link uh, on our show notes in this episode. There's a lot happening in May as well for the annual Go Topless Day, which is a spring tradition when we celebrate the return of warm weather and a sense of fun and adventure that comes with owning a Jeep by taking the top off. To find an event near you, well, because they are happening nationwide, guys, head over to allthingsjeep.com. Most events are happening on or around the 19th of May. One club is doing their big Go Topless Day, uh, the event, their big topless, uh, Go Topless event, rather, the weekend before. In fact, the sixth annual Canadian Jeep Girls Go Topless Day is happening May 12th in Carstairs, Alberta, Canada. Now, all proceeds from this event go to a good cause, Can Praxis. They use horse therapy to help vets and first responders with PTSD. And we will have a link to this event as well in the show notes for this episode. Now, yeah. I believe that we have um, a friend of the show, Brian, with Route 16. Now, he's got some events coming up uh, here. I think we got one this weekend, don't we? Yeah, he's going to be out at Urari, and I think he's going to be setting up the tent, and uh, you get a get a good peek at the brand-new, never-seen-before 
Jeep Talk Show banner. Yes, yes, you'll see Tammy, Josh, and myself, people that have never met in person, all together on the same banner. <laughs> so a uh, big shout out to uh, Brian at Route 16. Uh, make sure that you go over there and visit with, uh, with Brian and his team. Uh, look and see what they have, and they may even have a Jeep Talk Show sticker for you. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, we're uh, trying to get those stickers out to you folks. And please, if you get a sticker, we would love to see a picture of uh, it on your Jeep. Oh, and, heck yeah. And if you, you're in the picture too, that would be great. Uh, if there happens to be a, a pretty girl walking by, that, that would be good too. So just uh, all those things together. Uh, I know we have some later listeners, so I'm uh, obliged to say, or a good-looking guy. Uh, I personally will be on the, uh, the good-looking girl side of it, but there you go. <laughs> I, you know what is the deal with these Canadians? They have uh, Thanksgiving a month before ours. Oh, here and now go. they're going to have piss off an entire country, people. <laughs> and now they're going to have Go Topless Day before the Go Topless Day. I mean, come on! It's like the whole Canadian bacon thing all over again. <laughs> Hey, do you know of an off-road event coming up? How about a Jeep event? Have you been to one recently? Well, let us know. Email us with some details. Just, we'd love to hear from you guys. Go to our contact page at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and reach out. Hey, folks, and don't forget, <laughs> my script just went away. Wasn't sure where you were. Hey, check out my blog at jeepmama.com. <laughs> You guys need a voice for your product or for your business? Check out my professional voiceover services at thevoiceofjosh.com. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow, friend, like, subscribe, and above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, if you pack it in, make sure you pack it out and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Remember to always tread lightly. Let's like learn more about the Tread Lightly principles. Head over to www.treadlightly.org. Warning, the Jeep Talk Show may lead to symptoms lasting up to four hours. If you have a symptom lasting more than four hours, seek the advice of an off-road professional immediately or induce vomiting. Uh, or air down. Podcasting <laughs> <laughs> since 2010. So it's ta- Tammy's ty- turn oh. to talk, and I look over there at her, and she looks like she's zoned out. Oh, I'm like, where did my... The show notes just disappeared. That's funny because it, it was fine here. Uh, I would say that Josh was paying you back for that time you were changing. No, no, I, I mean really- the whole the whole page <laughs> went down. I'm like, where did it go?